Uh, so we're in the book of Jonah, and uh, we introduced it last Sunday evening. Uh, so we're going to look at the first three verses of Jonah chapter one. But before doing that, um, let me just um, very briefly explain something, uh, because Tony said this morning that if you come to the prayer meeting and uh, that you haven't prayed in public before, I will not pounce on you uh, to pray. And that's for a very good reason. A few months after I was saved, I joined the Eisteddfod witnessing team with the Evangelical Movement of Wales. It was in Tredegar. And we had Bible studies each morning before going to the Eisteddfod field. And the chaplain one morning asked me to open in prayer. And I'd never prayed in public. And I just completely broke down. <laughs> A few words came out, but I can't remember what I said. So ever since uh, that painful experience, I vowed to myself, unless somebody has actually prayed in public in the prayer meeting, I'll never ask them to pray. So I don't know if that helps. Now to Jonah. Let's read the first three verses of Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The word of the Lord coming to this man. Uh, I think that phrase is used over a hundred times in the Old Testament to describe one specific thing, a prophet receiving a message from God. Not like a preacher now uh, being given a message. We preachers need messages from the Lord. But the prophetic word was actually the word of God. What I'm preaching this evening isn't the word of God. I'm expounding the word. So there'll probably be mistakes in my exposition. But Jonah and the other prophets received the very word of God. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit, as Peter puts it. And this is what we're going to look at this evening. God says to Jonah, arise, go to Nineveh. What does Jonah do? Jonah arose. So he does arise, but instead of going northeast, I think, to Nineveh, he goes in the opposite direction, to Tarshish. Uh, Nineveh was the largest city in the enemy territory, the Assyrian Empire, and God was calling Jonah to go to the enemy with a message of grace. Jonah doesn't think God is right. We'll see in a minute how he worked that out. And instead of going the direction God is calling him, he goes the opposite way. And he couldn't have gone more opposites, west. And he went as far west as was possible in those days. Tarshish is probably on the west coast of Spain. So what we've got here is Jonah syndrome. And it wasn't just Jonah that suffered from it. Is anybody here tonight as a believer suffering from the same syndrome? You know God is telling you to do something, 
but you're going the other way. You know what we call that? It's an unpopular word today. I was reading something and it's no longer in use. Surprisingly so. Backsliding. It's passe, apparently. Now that says a lot about the state of the evangelical church if we don't longer use terms such as backsliding. But this is something that a believer does. An unbeliever can't backslide because they're no longer, uh, they're not even walking with the Lord in the first place. But a believer, and that's you and me here tonight, it is possible for us to walk away from the Lord. That's what we call backsliding. And all I want to do tonight is look at what Jonah does in these first few verses and try and see what backsliding is like. Because backsliding isn't as plain and simple as we sometimes make it out to be. Well, what's so sad here is this. Jonah was fleeing, the end of verse 3, from the presence of the Lord. How tragic. Are we fleeing from the presence of the Lord? Now, I've just got a number of points to make about backsliding, the path of the backslider. So please bear with me. And the first point is this. No one is immune from backsliding. I can remember now in Christian Union, uh, I was green, uh, fresh converts, and we had some really experienced people in the Christian Union, and it was said of some of them, they can never fall away. They can never fall away. Do you know what, my friends? A number of the people I was with in Christian Union are no longer walking with the Lord. I'm not saying that to discourage you. It's, it's just a statement of fact. I can think of prayer secs. I was a prayer secretary. Presidents. And they're nowhere now. And yet at the time, we thought they were so godly. They were immune from this Jonah syndrome of backsliding. Listen, none of us are immune. Jonah was a prophet mightily used of God in his youth and he wasn't immune from backsliding so a man may be a great preacher a preacher used of God but that man is only as good as his latest sermon you may be brought up in a good Christian home you may even have a pastor as your father but that doesn't mean that you are immune from backsliding. Is, isn't it sad when you look at the history of the church in Wales? Daniel Rowland, 18th century, Methodist pioneer. His son, Nathaniel Rowland, rose higher than him in the Anglican church. But Nathaniel's end was very sad. He fell away. He fell away. Um, have you ever been up uh, to Scotland? On the east coast of Scotland, let me get my geography right, the Firth of Forth, near Edinburgh, You've got a big rock in the middle of the Firth of Forth in the sea called Base Rock or Bass Rock. They probably pronounce it, don't they? Bass Rock up in Scotland. And Scottish covenanters in the 17th century were imprisoned in Bass Rock. It's a horrible, horrible place uh, to be incarcerated in. Now, there's a very sad story behind it. Uh, Bass Rock uh, was used as a prison uh, it was purchased by James Maitland, right? James Maitland. He was using it as a prison for these Christians. A few years before, this James Maitland had been part of the group of people sent from Scotland to the Westminster Assembly. James Maitland was one of those people 
who composed the Westminster Confession of Faith. Now, for many of us, that is the best confession of faith ever produced. And this is the scary thing. One of those people uh, that were part of forming that later in life turned away from the things of God and became an enemy to the very people that were propagating uh, the faith. And you know what people referred to uh, later on? Uh, Maitland, you know what they said of him? They said he had his change. James Maitland, do you remember him? Ah, yes, that man that had his change. And this is what I'm remembering now. I'm thinking back of those people in Christian Union, and I have to say the same thing about them. They had their change. Can you think of people in this church, maybe people who were even leading meetings, and they had their change, and it didn't happen all at once, did it? It was gradual, backsliding. I'm frightened of it, aren't you? Can I tell you, when I was in Christian Union, one of the most powerful preachers I ever heard, I won't mention his name, was a Calvinistic Methodist man, and boy, he's back. He preached with unction. He's no longer preaching. He's no longer walking with the Lord. He's actually causing problems now because he's propagating views that are against the Bible. That's how far a person can change. Oh, no one is immune from backsliding. So can I just ask us this? Do... I've got it written down. Do you, do you think you've arrived spiritually? Do you, do you think you've somehow got to the stage in your walk with the Lord that you're all right? Do you know what God says if you think that? Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Are you afraid of backsliding? I'm afraid of backsliding. I hope you are. Because if that's you, I think you're safe. Let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. So that's my first point. No one is immune. Now, let's look at, secondly, what is backsliding in its essence? Uh, look at the phrase, Jonah ran away, the end of verse 3, from the presence of the Lord. And that phrase is repeated as well. From the presence of the Lord. Verse 3, the start of verse 3, the end of verse 3. He ran away from the presence of the Lord. What does that mean? Uh, I'm taking you a bit further on. When he was on board the ship that went from Joppa to Tarshish, when the sailor asked him who he was, listen to his confession. Verse 9 of chapter 1. I am a Hebrew. Listen to this now. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. So he is a man in his head. He's as sound as anybody. He's making a good profession of faith. And what's he saying to the sailors? He's saying, I believe in an omnipresent God, a God who is everywhere. I believe in a God that I can't run away from. And that's us, isn't it? As I read from Psalm 139 at the start, we all believe in our heads uh, that God is everywhere. None of us would be so foolish as to think that we can run away completely from God. Even if we go to hell, he is there. Even if we take the wings of a dove and go to the uttermost parts of the earth, he is there. So what does it mean when we're told that Jonah ran away from the presence of the Lord? Ah, that's the key. Do you know what the presence of the Lord is? A better translation is the face of the Lord. 
Do you get that? The face of the Lord. Um, I don't know what example to use. Uh, I remember standing at the Mall in London before going to a Christian meeting, it was, and I had some spare time. Uh, this doesn't usually happen to me in my spare time. And there was a crowd of people. And the next thing, the whole royal family were passing in front of my eyes. I didn't meet the Queen face to face. I just saw her. <laughs> uh, I know about her. But when a person has a face-to-face -face meeting, they know that person. So when Jonah is fleeing from the face of the Lord, what did Mr. Hyam call it? It's the known and felt presence of God that he's running away from. And isn't that right? Backsliding doesn't start outwardly. It starts in the heart, doesn't it? It starts in the heart. And I don't think Jonah was saying to himself, I'm going to backslide. <laughs> Have you ever found yourself doing that? That comes later. Oh, no, no, it's so subtle. I think Jonah was reasoning like this. God is calling me to do something. He can't possibly be calling me to go to the enemy at Nineveh. I think I know what God is calling me to do. He's calling me to go to the Gentiles in Tarshish. But in his heart of hearts, he knows. He's trying to run away from that place where God is known and felt. I'm very hesitant to say this, but I think I should. When I was struggling with a call to this church, I, I couldn't understand. When a man is called of God to the ministry... There's a call, an outward call from the church, but there's an inward call from the Spirit. It's like a tug. Do you feel yourself inwardly moved of the Holy Spirit, says the Book of Common Prayer? And I could feel this tug when the letter came inviting me to preach to this church. I could feel this tug. And I thought, Lord, that's impossible. You can't be calling me to Heath. And so I avoided it. And for weeks, I was fine. But the tug intensified. And I was in a Bible study and somebody was speaking. He wasn't a very good speaker, but God spoke through him. And the tug was even stronger. And it got to the point where the only way I could avoid this tug was by avoiding reading the word, prayer, and being in fellowship with godly people. Can you see what I'm getting at? I was trying to avoid the presence of the Lord. I was still in the meetings. I was still kind of reading my Bible and saying my prayers. But in terms of asking God to speak to me, I didn't want that because I knew what he was going to say. I knew he was going to say, you are going to Heath. And I was trying to run away from that. Isn't that where backsliding begins? We're still outwardly in the things uh, do you know what scares me more than anything here? If you look at the words, I I'm trying to get the meaning out. Verse 3, but Jonah arose. Where did he go? He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it. What's happening? There's action, action, action. What's Jonah filling his life with? He's becoming an activist. You see, he's trying to avoid this tug in his heart, which he knows is God's call, asking him or commanding him to go to Nineveh. So in order to uh, bl blank that out, he's filling his life with activities. I wonder, did he have a commissioning service to go to Tarshish? I wouldn't have been surprised. 
He probably still used all the religious cliches. He probably went from meeting to meeting as long as he wasn't alone with God. Does that sound familiar? We, we can be as active as anybody and still be backsliding. I've heard of pastors who've been great conference speakers. They've had a ministry around the country, even around the world, speaking in conference. But all the time, in their hearts, they're backslidden. They're going away from the Lord. So it's not outward to begin with. It becomes that. It starts off in here. Do you know what we need to do? What was the verse that many of you found helpful uh, when uh, the difficulties occurred in the church? Um, did, didn't many of you find the verse, keep your hearts, watch it with all diligence? Didn't you find that helpful? That's where we've got to look. The hearts. Oh, the hearts. Who can know it? The heart. I want to say this. Whatever drives you away from the known and felt presence of God, even when we don't experience it to a degree which we haven't known for many, many decades, you know what I mean. The company of people who are on fire for the Lord. Whatever drives you away from that, whatever drives you away from seeking God in prayer, from reading books about the Bible that are not just academic but give you something, if you're ever being tempted to go away from those kind of things, that's the beginning of backsliding, isn't it? Do you know what real Christianity is? It's heart religion. Heart religion. What's that song? Give me old-time religion. Heart religion. And then one last point. This is my major point, my third point. What's really happening in backsliding? Well, I think what's happening is this. You've got God's word, and you've got self, and self goes against God's word. That's what's happening to Jonah. The path of the backslider, uh, does it say this in Proverbs? There is a way, there is a path that seems right, that seems right, but it ends in the way of death. Now, I don't go to really dangerous places right when I'm on the hills, just to reassure you. But if ever you go up the north ridge of Trevon and you come halfway to the place where you see a wall of rock, you don't take the path to the left. There's a path that looks easy and it goes to the left, avoiding the wall of rock. But if you take that path, it starts off easy, but eventually goes into a gully and that gully is very dangerous. The right path is straight ahead. Pilgrim's progress. Was Bunyan thinking of the North Ridge of Trevon? The hill difficulty. There's a path that avoids the difficulty and gets you into very dangerous terrain. You need to go right over, right over. The way of the backslider at first seems easy. And don't we say, don't we say with Jonah, can you imagine Jonah saying here, well, here am I. I think God is calling me west. I'm going to prepare myself. I'm going to go to Joppa. And lo and behold, when I arrive in Joppa, it's providential. There's a ship waiting for me. God has provided for me. God has opened the door. And I'm going to go straight through it. Listen, listen, listen. 
an open door does not necessarily mean that it's God's will for us to go through it. I came across this phrase. This is how one commentator put it. When a person decides to run from the Lord, Satan always provides complete transportation facilities. Isn't that true? I can think of people now who've justified their going away from the Lord by saying there was an open door. And you're trying to say to them, but what about God's word? What, what about this? What about that? Oh, can you think of people who've made lifestyle choices, not necessarily things that are sinful to begin with, but lifestyle choices. And what they're actually doing is going further away from the Lord. Maybe they'll, I don't know, they'll move somewhere where there isn't a church that will feed their souls. Or they'll marry somebody that doesn't, Lift them up closer to the Lord. Lifestyle choices. That's how we begin. And we justify it by saying, an open door. What do you do with an open door? With an open door, you bring it to the word of God. Eve had an open door, didn't she? When the serpent offered her the fruits, what Eve should have said was, it's not the Lord that's opening that door because the word of God says you shall not eat the word. I always say as well, wait. God isn't in a hurry. Wait, wait on the Lord. And look, this path, it seems easy, but where did it lead, Jonah? I didn't have time to read all the verses, but Jonah went down to Joppa. Where did he go? He went down into the ship. Where did he go? He went down into the belly of the whale. The path of the backslider looks easy, but he goes down, 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 even to death itself. There is a way that seems right, but it ends in the ways of death. And then one more thing, self, the word of God. Where's the conflict? This is uncomfortable. Our plans. Our prejudices. Who was Jonah? Jonah was the prophet in a previous generation who was used of God to speak against the Assyrians, Nineveh. What was God asking him to do now? Go to the very people he prophesied against and preach grace to them. Do you know what Jonah is worried about? His reputation. His reputation among all the other people of God. I don't know if they had a Galilee Times. Did they have a Galilee Times? Or maybe the Galilee Quarterly? And I'm sure Jonah was afraid. Oh, what would happen if there'd be a headline on the front page of the Galilee Times or the Galilee Quarterly, which says, traitor prophet, prophet who was once mightily used of the Lord, now preaching forgiveness to the enemy. And Jonah didn't want that. Now, that was just Jonah's prejudice. Because God isn't just the God of one people. The Jews were his chosen people. But God's purpose 
is to take the gospel of grace to all the world. I wonder, have we got prejudices? Have we got plans? And they're going against the clear word of God. Can I just give you an example? Um, George Whitfield, you've all heard of George Whitfield, mighty evangelist. Somebody asked him, George, well, I don't know if that's what they said, Mr. Whitfield, why don't you form a denomination like John Wesley has done and call yourself the Whit... This is a bit of a mouthful. The the Whitfieldians. (laughs) Easier to say Wesleyans. Whitfieldians. Do you know what George Whitfield said? Let the name of Whitfield perish. All I care about is that Christ is being preached, whether that's through the Wesleyans or through my own people, as long as Christ is preached. Do you know, Wesley didn't give a hoot, and Whitfield certainly didn't give a hoot about his reputation. Didn't we sing, and I don't know if I've come to this place, may we all come to this place, are you willing to lay in dust life's glory dead whatever your reputation is as a christian you say it doesn't matter what people think of me all that matters is what my savior thinks of me you know i never cease to be amazed with the some of the i won't call them prejudices but some of the hang-ups evangelical christians have that have nothing to do with the word of god And I think sometimes the whole point of sitting under the word of God, like this on a Sunday evening, is to let the word mold us. Oh, my friends, uh, I'm afraid. uh, Let me read Alexander White. He's written a book, Old Testament, New Testament, Bible characters. And he said this, When I watch the workings of my own heart, this is what I'm compelled to say. I am Jonah. In the matters of my own reputation as a preacher. I am Jonah. I'm afraid of another preacher coming along who is better than me. Oh, perish the thoughts uh, that we think like that. If God uses somebody else more than us, praise be to him. Because Christ is going forth. And it's not just us preachers, is it? It can be Sunday school workers, youth workers, whatever you're involved in. Oh, may we lay in dust life's glory dead. And if God is happy to use us, praise be to him. If he uses somebody else, praise his name. And may he use others more than ourselves. Oh, you younger people, may you be used more than we uh, who are serving the Lord now in ministry. May, may, May we have big hearts. Whatever our prejudices may be, may they be completely destroyed by the word and the spirits. I must come to a conclusion. I read Acts 10. Do you know why? That was about Joppa. Something happened in Joppa many, many centuries later over the same issue. It wasn't Jonah. It was Simon Peter. Do you know what Simon Peter's other name is? Simon Bar Jonah. Interesting that, isn't it? And Peter, like Jonah, was wrestling over this same question. 
How can God be sending me to the Gentiles? And thankfully, Peter overcame his prejudices and submitted to the Lord. The greater love of Jesus Christ had moulded Peter's hearts. It's going to mould Jonah's hearts, but it's going to take a bit longer. And we're going to take the next few weeks to follow the way. God hasn't given up with Jonah. If you feel you're backsliding in your hearts, let me tell you, God hasn't given up on you. He can bring us back to himself. But listen, the school of Christ in bringing us back isn't easy. Are we ready to say, Oh, love, that will not let me go. Thank God for that. I rest my weary soul in thee. And we're going to do something very sobering now. We're going to sing a hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And the man who wrote this hymn backslid. Uh, I think he died a backslider. Uh, he, in the end, was an Unitarian minister. He'd come under bad influences. And so when he wrote, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. It's quite poignant. And may we pray, take my heart, O take and seal it. Seal it from thy courts above. Number 664.